Hello, everybody. Welcome to Shared New York's podcast studio. My name is Ming Chen. I am here with an extremely special guest, uh, someone I think is uh, super cool, and you're about, to, you're about to learn why. I'm here with Christian Giordano, who is the president and majority owner of Mancini Duffy. He's the inventor of something you're going to learn about called the Tool Belt, and he is also the host of the Anti-Architect podcast. The, the one word that stands out to me uh, is architect, and um, I... You know, architect has always been a cool thing, but I remember I was watching Seinfeld and uh, uh, the character George Costanza was trying to impress, I think, a girl. And they're like, well, what do you do? He's like, oh, I'm an architect. And she's like, what did you design? He's like, oh, I designed the Guggenheim. Wasn't, wasn't that hard? And I was like, okay, that's like the go-to. Uh, it's one of the go-to jobs. So yeah, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I, I mean... I'm looking, I read your bio, you've done a lot of <laughs> amazing things. Um, you've seen a lot, uh, you've seen a lot of amazing things. And, uh, now I know you're really cool because you're starting a podcast. So I can't, uh, I can't, I can't argue, I can't argue with that. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. A great introduction. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I mean, you could be, be an architect anywhere, but you're, you're in New York, which is, you know, has got to be, you know, the, the, the pinnacle of, uh, you know, where, where you would, you would host and have an architecture firm. Um, you've worked on a no number of projects, including the the building that we're, we're in right now. Ironically, yes. Yeah, which is uh, <laughs> Bellworks in Holmdale, New Jersey. Uh, but I was reading Peloton, Google. Uh, yeah. I, um, do you have any... Do you have any other ones you like listing to people? Sure. Uh, ESPN is a good one and did that up in uh, in Bristol, Connecticut yeah. as well, that building for them. And then we, we have a ton of awesome clients right now, so... That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm a comic book guy, and if you if you read or if you've seen one of these Marvel comic book movies, you always start with the origin story. Uh, is this something you've been wanting to do ever since? Uh, were you like the three year old kid building buildings and mass structures and yeah, so annoying your parents and absolutely. So as a little kid, I always I, I always wanted to be an architect in in some fashion, right? And I've 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 told a few stories where I think it's it either has to do with my mom who was wanted to, you know, kind of always renovate our house. So I was always fascinated by the construction. But then my father actually had a very creative side, even though he was really more of a business person. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that combination kind of really led me to architecture. But as a kid, so I, I of course did the whole Lego thing, but what really got me into um, uh, design more was uh, actually making a dollhouse for a cousin of mine. Her uh, her father had bought a dollhouse kit and he was assembling it. And I remember we were over there and I wanted to come up and uh, take it and uh, took it home. And I built the whole thing myself and kind of, you know, redesigned it a bit and that kind of started me on that path and from there I built you know all sorts of you know wood models I was very into you'd appreciate this the the um, remote control cars oh, yeah. like building the engines <laughs> you know the frog the grasshopper yeah. um, you know kind of customizing the shells for those there was a great store uh, locally here called Hobby Masters that had the most amazing selection of these uh, RC cars so and I got a little bit into helicopters, a little bit into uh, planes, but my they they made my parents nervous, so we didn't. Uh, <laughs> they crash into things. They crash into things. Yeah, you know, chop people's heads off. You know, stuff like right. that. Right. They have so. moving parts, propellers. <laughs> uh, you know, they yeah they can, <laughs> they yeah. can they can kind of be dangerous. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So and um, so you went from there. And uh, you studied at University of Miami, is that correct? Yeah. So from there, I, you know, I always wanted to be an architect growing up. Uh, and then uh, uh, 
you know, University of Miami had a great architecture school. And I had a cousin that went there. I went down there to visit him and fell in love with the school and what's what's not to love down in Miami. Yeah. And uh, and went to architecture school there. And had a wonderful experience there. Actually, a very traditional architecture school, kind of very different uh, in terms of a departure of where I've taken, you know, my career in firm. Um, but very much about hand drawing, proportion, line drawing, you know, how a light might hit something, how you sketch, how you watercolor. Uh, how you build clay models. Yeah. So it was a very traditional architecture background, but I think it kind of gave me the foundation to thus kind of go on to UCLA, which was the opposite of that, which was really <laughs> progressive architecture. And I went there because uh, Frank Gehry was a professor. This other guy, Tom Main, who started this firm called Morphosis, was there. Uh, met a wonderful professor there named Greg Lynn, who uh, is really a technologist now, uh, has invented some robots and some additional kind of cool inventions that he's done, but all as an architect. Yeah. And I mean, Frank Gehry, you, you, that's, uh, that's, um, you know, for that, that's like a, a filmmaker thing. I, I studied with like Steven Spielberg, like Frank right. Gehry is, uh, is up there and he's, yeah, he's done anything from design. Um, I've seen some of his jewelry design, even I think he did a line with Tiffany. Um, and then I was watching a cartoon called uh, Arthur. He popped up in that. Yes, so, uh, he did. You know, <laughs> and the Simpsons. And the Simpsons, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, you you must be doing something right if uh, if you if you're doing all of that. Yeah, Frank Gehry is well. He he's he's a really really. I think what what stands out about him was that he's a really nice guy to begin with. Yeah. He also, for me, broke the the traditional. Oh my goodness, sorry. <laughs> no problem. Um, broke the traditional. Um, uh, realm of an architecture firm where it was late nights, you worked all day, all night. Um, he really was a kind of a family guy yeah. and really wanted a work-life balance. And you could see that in his studio, which was pretty impressive. Wow. So. And I, that's, that takes, that takes talent. I don't even, I, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't even know how you do that running, you know, running a firm, running, um, you know, running anything, running a small business. It's, yeah, so uh, a guy it's, like it's that, tough. he he really was the master of all the projects too, which is what I was very impressed with. I have a difficult time with that today, you know, like kind of staying on top of all the projects. Yeah. Uh, he really was in it, right? He would he would conceptualize them. He would help build the models. He would really look at them and, and critique them. And then the staff would do the work. Like we would go out and do our own thing with it and then bring it back and kind of show it to him. It's very different practice from what we do in yeah. our in our firm today. You know, it's it's kind of the lead designer kind of runs with it, and I check in on it kind yeah. of stuff. So, so. delegate <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Is there one thing he taught you, or one thing you uh, you may have learned from him that that uh, maybe carried you on until so, until yeah. now? Well, I think in general the way he treated his firm and the people that worked at his firm, it wasn't a a shop where you had to work all night. Okay, I mean, it really was a place where. You worked during the day and you had a family and you had a life at night. And he believed that, you know, you and still believes to this day that you uh, you do that work and you go home, you have a family and then you come back and do better work the next day because you're more focused on it. So but from a design point of view, I think what I learned from him is he really drew a lot of inspiration from outside of the architecture world. Yeah. Many architects look at buildings, look at uh, whatever it might be, other design architecture, and are influenced by it. He was, he's very influenced by art, artists, sculpture, and he really and you can see that in his work. Yeah, he for carries sure. that thought process all the way through. Wow, that's that, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned uh, the other person you worked with, uh, a technologist now. 
very much into technology, which I know you're very tech forward, yeah. uh, which uh, it's amazing. I love technology as well. If there's, if, if, if you have to plug it in, if it lights up, if it makes sound, if it connects to the internet, uh, I'm, I'm all over it. Uh, what I find is a lot of people are scared of technology as well. Um, where uh, I do a lot of handholding. There's, uh, for me, uh, I, I, I see a lot of like, do we have to do, do we have to use this? Do we have to do this? Where I was like, no, it's better. Um, I feel like it's, it's a lot of handholding. Um, but, uh, I, that seemed to play a major, major influence in your life as well. Yeah. So, so as we've, you know, at, at Mancini Duffy, you know, part of what we've done in terms of reinventing the culture of the firm. So to make it a cool, fun, hip place to work, um, we've also taken it forward with technology, right? This idea that, well, architects still kind of mimic the way that every other architect does it and has done it since the beginning. You know, you're even, you know, if you're familiar with AutoCAD as a, as a design software, it really is just imitating the way you draw by hand. It's lines, it's moving things around, it's it's got some reproduction in there, but for the most part, you're recreating the day-to-day -day hand drawing. What we do now is we work in a different program, a more 3D program, so you're kind of building everything. You know, you're building the room, you're building the windows. The, the, the windows know that they're windows. They don't just think they're lines representing windows. So from there, there's power to that. And you, you're essentially creating a database of architecture within your drawings. And so what can we do and manipulate that data and get something more out of it, right? So push the profession forward in technology. So now we've got all these 3D models. What can we do with these 3D models? How do we how do we express to clients? I mean, as you said, you know, people are hesitant about technology. Even today, you know, uh, even you know, kind of post-COVID, where people have been forced into having to use their technology more, they're still afraid of it, right? They're still afraid of kind of how to interact with it. And what we've done is we've made it really simple for clients to interact with that technology. You know, it's really as simple as looking at your computer screen and we take over and you get to see your project before it's built in a very, very different fashion from, from what it was done before. Even with CGI and renderings like that, it's a very interactive process. And I can I can explain that if you want. So. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I, I was fortunate enough to visit about a year ago and uh, I, I got a little taste of uh, the 3D visualization, <laughs> the technology that you use. And uh, yeah, it, it's sometimes, uh, yeah, sometimes people have to be dragged into it. Yeah. And uh, it's, it, you know, we know, we know how great this stuff is and uh, it can be a little frustrating uh, at first. Just uh, some people just have to break through that barrier and be like, this, this is, this is a better way to do it. This is a, uh, uh, this, we found something that, that not only makes it easier, but, uh, you know, you, you can visualize what we're creating for you, uh, yeah. and, you know, literally by slipping on a headset or, you know, by looking at a screen. Yeah, and, so uh, what we've done with the, with the tool belt, which is our software that we invented, it really is taking the model that we've created, you know, this 3D environment, whatever it might be. It could be a house, it could be an office building, it could be a hotel, it could be an office interior. And we bring it into our software sort of with a click of a button. And that the, the end user, whether that's the client or if it's a group of people as the client, like an advisory board or something like that, they can now see their project. Uh, and they can walk through their project. They can actually interact with their project. They can move the tables around. They can change the materials. They can, you know, uh, sit in the chairs if they if they want to, kind of virtually, right? And, and we can kind of mimic that in real life as well. Um, but more importantly, they're getting a, a real feel of a space, yeah. and that to me is where you know architects lack in the ability to. 
um, to, to really explain their projects, right? It's and, and that's not an architect's fault. It's that a, a flat piece of paper, a rendering, a drawing, an elevation doesn't really give you a, a sense of place or a sense of feeling when someone comes in uh, to that space. You know, just like this space here gives you a certain sense. We can recreate that, right, in the in this virtual environment. We can do it very quickly, and people can really react to that. And we can understand by either using either them telling us or using cues from how they react, we can then begin to adjust the design. And the entire time we're, we're recording it and documenting it and we're really trying to tweak that design ever so maybe big or little and get it to a place where they're really comfortable in it. And so when they go into their space at the end of the day, when they come to arrive at their new building, it's very familiar to them and they feel yeah. like it, they, there's no surprises right. there. So that's the hardest thing is really communicating the the design idea to a person who's not used to talking about design. Yeah, and if you can take advantage of technology to also infuse some of that emotion as well, yep. and uh, you know get get the brain a little more excited. Yeah, as uh, an that's example, we for a restaurant that we do, um, uh, Bocaria restaurants, where we do them around the country. Uh, the owner of Bocaria is so hyper focused on the feeling of you know, how close a chair should be from the chair behind it, right? How how intimate the tables need to be, where the waiters or waitresses are, are moving. Um, and then that sense of, well, I need to get past this table. Do I need to turn a little bit? Is that comfortable for people or not? But I do, it's a Spanish tapas restaurant, yep. so it should be lively. So there's a fine line in there that only he really can tell. And he comes in and he uses our software. He spends hours and hours in there moving chairs. I mean, like, inches and you know kind of pretending and walking through in and out of them and he's getting that feeling and then by the end of his sessions in our process he he he's he's comfortable he's good to go yeah i think i saw a video of all this you could see uh you know how i, I the excitement and, and yeah. just the, how happy he was plus the, the familiarity yeah and uh yeah i i think uh yeah the key with no surprises like oh I, this this table's two inch not two inches too long like no, you were there. You know, you like you know how that was supposed to come out. That's a uh, that's amazing. Uh, what can you tell me about the tool belt? It sounds uh, it sounds pretty amazing. Yeah. So the tool belt is a piece of software that we've invented. It is now patent pending, okay. uh, which is pretty exciting for us. Um, essentially, it's a, we have a team of developers uh, at the at the company at Mancini Duffy uh, in our uh, R and D. Uh, area called the design lab, and in that lab is where we, you know, kind of test out and experiment with different technologies. Not only visualization, but also three D printing, some drones that we've worked on, and we have a whole set of new initiatives that we're doing for uh, for this year coming up, um, which is exciting. So really trying to notch it up another another ten levels or so. So, uh, but the tool belt itself is really an interactive piece of software that interacts with both the virtual reality environment and our computer software. So it really is that bridge between the two. So it, okay. so when you, let's, let's as an example, let, just for, for most people, let's say we were to design your house, we'd put your house into the tool belt software, and that would instantaneously give your, you the ability to uh, interact with your house. Change the windows, open the windows, close the windows, change the paint colors, add furniture, move furniture, whatever that might be. And all the while, it's actually recording and holding on to this information so that we can go back and use it later on as part of the documentation to, to build your house down the road. That's amazing. That sounds uh, several steps above, say, a mock-up. 
or yes, uh, like definitely, a, yeah. or even a 3D rendering. Yep. And uh, the beauty of that is it doesn't cost anything. You know, there's no there's no uh, there's not an inc incredible amount of cost when you're doing it virtually in the computer. Right. To change things after the fact <laughs> when they're built or approved by a building department becomes very costly. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh man, I, that, that you know, $10,000 countertop, I thought it was going to look cool here. I was like, oh man, this isn't going to work. Exactly. Like, oh. When it's just some lines on in the computer, it's uh, it's pretty much free. Yeah, for sure. So. And the yeah, that 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 would reduce a lot of headaches and uh and uh, and costs as well, for sure. Yeah. Um so Mancini Duffy, uh 100-year-old architecture firm, uh you're now the president and majority owner. Um how did that happen? I guess that's my question. <laughs> um, I know you, you know you went you graduated from you know Miami, went to UCLA. Yeah. Do you remember your first job? Yeah, I definitely remember my first job because uh, that's where I met my wife. Okay. <laughs> um, so at a company called Swanky Hayden Connell, which unfortunately is no longer around, uh, the the partners all retired, and I think it kind of went by the. You know, went away. Um, but it's a firm that I worked at for for a while. I met my wife there. She worked in the library as a um, interior designer, uh, and a very good group of friends that I'm still friends with to this day work there. Sort of our first jobs out of school. Uh, there's probably about eight or nine couples that actually got married from that group. So, which is a pretty interesting. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, thing you know, that's so. uh, that's better than uh, these dating apps. That's uh, no, go work for an architecture. Firm, totally. Uh, yeah, you're there all day and night. So, yeah, where was know. this located? It was in in the city. Okay, so, New York. Oh, yeah, in the okay. Puck Building, which actually now is condos, which I find <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but a uh, great, great firm, big firm, probably a couple hundred people at the time, and uh, a lot of fun. And from there, I went to a big international company called HLW International. Um, they still exist today and thrive. Um, also have some very good friends there as well. And, and uh, I probably really thought I'd spend my entire career there. It was a, 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 it's a lovely place. And, um, but I got a call one day from a person that I had worked with when I was designing a, a building uh, for HBO. And uh, he said to me, hey, I got this guy. I'd like you to come meet. Um, he's, he's retired. He sold his firm you know, to the next generation of people, but he needs a young guy to come in and uh, uh, you know, young guy to take over the place and bring some life to it. And I said, all right, well, I'm not really interested. And I went and I met <laughs> Ralph Mancini from Mancini Duffy. And Ralph was a character. I mean, he really, you know, if he were walking through the halls, you know, you knew he was there. He was always, you know, uh, making a ruckus about something. Just uh, really just uh, a, a fun guy to be uh, around. You could hear him coming a mile away. Yep, exactly, exactly. What I loved about him was he, when he worked at Mancini, he didn't actually have an office or a desk. He just sat wherever the hell he felt like it. And he would just sit, pull up a chair next to someone and work next to someone for the day or go sit in a conference room or go to a site. He just kind of was out and about. So was, you, you saw him a lot or you, at least yeah, you I, saw him at all, which, which is exactly, a pretty cool yeah, thing. Which was really cool. And he really, what I liked about him is he was really big picture focused, you know, clients and construction and, and the firm. He didn't get involved in sort of the day-to-day -day details that I think we all do now, which is, you know, email and teams right. and things like that and sort of the... You know the, all the all the the little nitty gritty, uh, and so you know I started working at Mancini Duffy. They made me a nice offer, kind of promised me this idea that I would run the place. Uh, and and uh, there were there were two people that owned it at the time, uh, Tony Sharippa and Dina Frank, and um, we we worked together for about a year or so. And at one point, I don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but I said to Tony something like, "So Tony, what's your plan? When do you plan to retire?" And he said to me, well, nobody's ever made me an offer. 
So I said, oh, okay, either that's an opening or he was just kind of annoyed or I have no idea. So I went, I went home and I literally drafted up an offer. I brought along two other partners, younger partners that were part of the firm, uh, kind of talked to them of how we were going to present this to Tony. And we presented a, t a, a plan as to how we were going to buy the firm from him and Dina and that they could retire like they wanted. And uh, he said, this is wonderful. I'll take it. And, uh, and that's what we did. And Tony was a wonderful mentor in that respect. He really, uh, he really respected me and my other partners, Bill and Scott at the time, Bill Mandera and Scott Harrell at the time, uh, in letting us run the firm with our vision. You know, Tony didn't have to do that. We technically didn't own the, the company yet. Um, but he, you know, he would, he would give his opinion and say, well, that's not what I would do if we agreed and, and we'd all move on from there. Uh, but he was good about kind of, in a sense, getting out of the way yeah. and letting us be, you know, letting us do our thing. Uh, we still keep in touch today. Um, he's very much part of the firm, in a sense. We consult him on, on you, know, so, you know, sort of firm-wide issues and and things that, you know, I don't quite remember from, from back in the day. Yeah, he's can't let a, him get that far. So. Yeah, no. <laughs> There's a lot of history there, so... But uh, but that's how it, uh, how it came to be. That's amazing. Uh, and, what what year was that? Do you remember? Uh, let's see. That had to be at least five years ago. It could be even more. It could be about six years. Okay, ago which is so. crazy. You look like you you came out of UCLA yesterday. Oh, thank so you. I'm just uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. It's, uh, <laughs> I'll try. It's uh, it's keeping you young for sure. Um, do you remember the first project you worked on coming out of out of school? Yes, um, I do. Uh, I, I say that. There was a couple little projects here and there, but the first more memorable project that I had was a school out in Long Island. Uh, PS New, uh, 293 is actually the name of it. Um, and it was a school where I had a lot of design authorship with it, which was a lot of fun. Um, there was a senior designer on it. Uh, his name is actually Scott Habion, who works at a, a big company called Skidmore Owings and Merrill, SOM still. Uh, we're still very friendly. Uh, he was very much a mentor to me as well in terms of a, a design. Uh, he, you know, Scott was very good at or is very good at uh, being a design leader in a corporate environment. And that's a very different, um, that's a very different role than like a Frank Gehry. Right, they're 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 um, they're both equally as important, but in very different different aspects. Uh, and so Scott and I worked on that that school for for years, uh, and it ultimately got built. It, it went through many different iterations, and ultimately got built. But I, you know, to this day, if I ever pass it, you know, it's, there's a sense of pride when you design something and you see it built. Um, it's it's hard to explain. It's kind of like a child, but in a totally different way. <laughs> no, I, I completely understand. Um, yeah, I, I do a lot of my stuff is just digital, so it's not um, a building. Something is tangible. Yeah, it stands the test of time. It's uh, you know something people go into and experience and remember, and uh, you know um, it, all, all things good willing. Uh, it's there for a long time. Yep. yep. And. Uh, and uh, it's you know you've seen it. Uh, I don't know if you've you've driven your kids by there or relatives, but uh, he's like, hey, see that you can kind of yeah, nod I, your head. It's like I designed that. I, I that, love that showing my, my kids like, like, hey, daddy designed that, you know, and they they think that's they they think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but then there's a few where they make fun of me for it, which is kind of funny too. So there's these two little buildings. <laughs> Outside of the UN, and they are tiny little buildings. Yeah. They're they're literally security 
um, uh, booths, they do screening. You have like you, you put it's a metal detector essentially. Yeah. They're these tiny little buildings, and every time I drive past them, I go, "Oh, look, Daddy designed those buildings." And I think they're looking for like something grandiose, and they look and they see these little booths, yeah. and they laugh at them. I go, "But those are really cool little buildings." I, I love put my heart and soul into those, <laughs> those security booths. I like those things. But the building that I would say was the first building that I ever. Uh, really 100% design myself was a, a, a TV station called WPVI in Philadelphia, the, the ABC Channel 6 there, the local station for Philly. Um, the designer that was on the project, he, I don't know, he didn't get along with the client. The client was got, got annoyed and you know wanted him off the project. And I remember telling the design principal at the time, I was pretty young, I said, uh, hey, you know, I think I could design this building myself. I think I know what the client wants. And, you know, looking back, I don't think that our design, I don't think that the, the partner in charge there had much of a choice because I was the only one kind of stepping up. Yeah. Um, but he let me do it. And the client loved it, and from that moment on, it like kind of my career shot up after that, which was cool. Wow. Okay. It's like I, I got this. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly. like you, yeah, and they're yeah. like you, you, you know. Yeah. They're like all right, yeah, Giordano, you yeah. want this one? All right. Yeah. Take. Yeah. Take it. Yeah. Take it. yeah. That, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I know we noted. We, I, I listed a couple of your notable works. Are, are there ones that you, 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 you like to mention? Well, I think as I said, like that one, Channel Six for sure. HBO in in Long Island is a wonderful project. Um, that you know, the more recent projects that we've done, we've done a, a series of co working um, uh, 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 spaces for a, a group called Shorewood um, that are really beautiful. These hotels. Uh, we do a lot of work these days with Soho House. We're doing a resort with them, which is uh, pretty special. Uh, when it when it ultimately gets finished, yeah. this building that we're in right now here, Bell Works, <laughs> was uh, was also special too because, in a sense, I grew up down in this area, yeah. and my you know I think my dad might have been the only one in the area that didn't work in this building, um, so I was always very curious as to what was everyone in the area worked at Bell Bell Bell. That's all you ever heard, um, and so it was an opportunity. Plus, it's designed by a famous architect, Eero Saarinen. Yeah. Um, they have some of the most wonderful uh, bathrooms that you've ever seen. I don't know if they have. They ha they've redone a few of them here. Yeah, there's uh, a there's one here, and I I don't know if he had a hand in it or not. It's pretty spectacular. They're pretty, pretty cool. cool. They're yeah. like just the, every little thing is thought about here. Uh, so it was really an honor to be part of it, to able to help you know bring it back to life, and then this whole concept of sort of a little mini city in the suburbs, which today you know probably six seven years ago when we started it. Seemed like a silly idea, but I think today it 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 seems like nothing but a, a great idea and something that you'd want to reproduce in suburbs if you could, kind of around America. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I I I smile every time I come in here, and I'm I, I've been making a point to come here a lot just 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 because of the emotion it evokes in me. Yeah, and uh, I I love that I get a chance to be here. Yeah, they invented um, all sorts of cool stuff here. The Big Bang Theory, they yeah, discover the cell phones. Yeah. Prize winners yeah. have uh, have been in this building. But I, I, when when you told me that you worked in here, I was like, oh, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> one doesn't not a surprise, but two just just I you know it's, I was like, well, how do I thank you for uh, <laughs> for, for for this, which is uh, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, you mentioned the Soho's. One day, one day, I'll I'll I'll, I'll get a membership in there. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh. Not everybody, not everybody has a membership. Yeah, you'd be surprised. It's not. It's not as hard as you think. So, uh, yeah, I know. Still, it's not a. You know, it's 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 a goal. Yeah, it's I always thought it was. Sure. You know, for celebrities, but it it really isn't. It's a it's a it's a 
It's an interesting place. Yeah, so I hear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are there other brands that you've worked with or you like working with or uh, that you like to mention? Yeah, so uh, you know, Peloton is someone that we've worked with. Uh, we've done their headquarters and several of their other locations. They've been uh, they've been a wonderful, wonderful client. It's really exciting to kind of see how they've grown from a bike with a curtain behind it to you know this global brand that yeah, obviously phenomenon. Is, uh, yeah, just uh, yeah. just just huge. Exactly. Has taken off, which is which has been great. I mean, other we work with some amazing clients, Omnicom companies. They own a lot of different agencies um, throughout the United States. They're a, they're also uh, a good group of people to work with. I mean, for for me, it's really the relationships with the clients are the most important thing. Uh, we get to know them. We get in their head. We you know kind of want to know what they think, uh, what they're thinking uh, in terms of whether that's office space or a new building. Uh, and and we go from there. We're working with right now even um, a, a new couple startups uh, that have begun. Uh, one is a, a cannabis dealer um, or cannabis uh, dispensary. Uh, we're yeah, doing huge th- industry right now. Yep, uh, three yeah. locations for them. Uh, one down here in Asbury Park, which will be a lot of fun to do. Uh, again, another really great group of people. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about all your your great projects. Uh, have you had any mishaps or any funny stories? <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, you know, incurred. Uh, you know, not everything can be a home run, I guess, but you know, most of them can. Yeah, I, I don't know if we've had. Uh, listen, there's always mishaps. There's always, for some reason or another, you know, there's uh, things that may or may not go right. I would say that, you know, lesson. I've certainly learned lessons. And one thing about this business is that it really becomes about your experience. The more projects you do, the more experience you get, the better you get at it, right? Um, so, you know, I have designed things where um, I've designed them so with such tight tolerances, meaning that the the stairs are going into the, you know, up an atrium and they're going next to glass and going up, you know, near a, another thing. And I remember one of the contractors saying to me, how am I supposed to build this? You know, like there's no, like a human being can't actually fit in there. So how how are you going to do this? And I I remember there was this one stair that was going up a building that we were doing, uh, sort of monumental stair. And the client said that, how how am I supposed to build this? And I said, oh my God, I have no idea. I'm so screwed. You know, I'm going to get in trouble. The client's going to be so mad. It's going to cost extra money. And then thankfully the contractor said, luckily for you, we figured out a way. We're going to take the glass off the front of the building. We're going to build it this way. And then we're going to put the glass back on the building. I'm like, wow, that's the greatest idea I've ever heard. Thank you so much. So. Yeah. You, you listen, you can't mess with genius. This came out, you know, this is, this is what I do. You guys can figure this yeah, figure out. Figure right? it out. Exactly. Yeah. Um, is that a, is that a bit, is that a constant struggle with, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you work with contractors and builders now that it, are used to, um, your style and, it is and what yeah. you do, you, but you, I imagine you've come up some, with some crazy stuff. Was like, yeah, you like, get. I, is this even physically possible? Like, but you work with people that you know understand kind of how you're designing and right. what you're designing to. Um, and then there's always listen. Contractors always laugh when you say you know verify in field is a famous one, right? That you put on the drawings. That's kind of a CYA, you know, a note that we'll put on a drawing, and that basically means go ahead, Mister Contractor, figure it out. You know, and uh, and so you'll get into arguments over that. But but for the most part, we do, you know, and one thing we've talked about and we try to mentor the staff with is, you know, if you do have something that you're not sure about, let's get the contractor involved early on. Let's make sure we're all on the same page, because if it's impossible, let's know that before we start, you know, we get everybody's hopes up on things. 
Yeah, and uh, now using the technology you have at hand, you can almost kind of, you can pretty much pre-visualize all. Yeah, that. we can walk so. through it all and see it all <laughs> ahead of time. And it's ideal if we can get the contractor to come and walk through the building beforehand. They can give some great pointers. You know, we want to know what's what's actually feasible and what's not. We're not we're not Frank Gehry where we can design it and say, hey, you know, I'm Frank Gehry. You figure it out 100 <laughs> percent, and I have an endless budget. It's you know, hey, we'd like to look this way. How can you help us get there? Right. And, uh, you know, if you have any input on this, uh, here it is, you know, walk through it. Yep. Um, tell us what you think. Yeah. And uh, and <laughs> if this is possible or what you need to make this possible. Yeah. What, a, what a great thing to have at hand. Yeah, it's that's, awesome. That's really that's really amazing. <laughs> um, I'm sure everybody asks you this, but uh, do you have a favorite project that you like mentioning? Uh, favorite project right now is uh, that that I'd, I'd love to mention is our Times Square project. Uh, in um, in Times Square, obviously. Uh, it's called TSX. It actually has its own website, I think, called TSX Broadway. It's uh, with a developer client of ours, L&L, um, really big developer, L&L Holdings in Manhattan. Uh, it's a project where we are, it's technically a renovation um, because we are restoring an old building. We're taking the old Palace Theater, which historic yeah. Palace Theater, you know, meet me at the Palace. Um, and we're actually taking that theater and we're lifting it up 30 feet in the air. And then we're building retail around it. Wow. Uh, in the meantime, there's a, a hotel above that's being uh, demolished, which actually is, is almost all gone at this point. Um, during COVID, they were able to continue the demo. Uh, it's been taken down and we're uh, putting up a new 65-story tower above wow. that. So. It's going to be interesting, and the the theater itself is ready to be lifted probably in the next six months or so. So they've been excavating underneath it. They've been preserving the theater, uh, and then it'll essentially be elevated, uh, you know, over a period of months, and then the new structure will be built around it. Yeah, so you're literally moving buildings at this point. Which, yeah, it's, uh, it's very cool. Which to that contract, is like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Like, hey, I lifted a building, all right? I lifted a theater, so don't tell so me So the this, same this person that's, that they, they moved a theater on 42nd Street, I forget which building it was. They made room for a building, but they actually lifted the, build, the theater up and moved it down the street. So that same uh, contractor is doing this. I mean, that's really a real niche market, right? To, uh, I, I can the, imagine, yeah. The guy yeah. that moves theaters, so... Uh, but it's an exciting project. It's an exciting project for us for many reasons. And one, it's definitely the biggest project we've ever worked on. Uh, we have the most people at the firm working on it. And when I tell you this team is is so incredibly dedicated to this project, um, the deadlines are crazy. The um, you know things change constantly because it's a you know it's an existing building that you know the conditions change. So things have to be uh, updated very quickly. There's an entire office. Uh, in Times Square that is dedicated to this project, wow. that the team doesn't come to our office anymore. They actually work out of the, the field office yeah. the entire time. So it's a mammoth project, a mammoth undertaking, but it's exciting for the firm, uh, especially, you know, in the end, we'll have a we'll have a, a tower in Times Square, which is a pretty awesome accomplishment for us. That's amazing. Um, I was gonna work. I was gonna ask if you had any, you know, dream projects or if there's any, you know, it's like, man, I'd like, I'd love to, uh, you know, uh, design and, and construct a building in, you know, in the, in LA or something or. So, yeah, listen, there's a lot of those kind of projects. It, for us, um, it really is kind of what suits what we do okay. and how can we help the client and, you know, with whatever their drivers are to, to create an experience for them. 
Um, you know, there I have done when I was at that other firm, HLW, we did a lot of work in China. So I've done some buildings out there. Um, you know, I, I enjoy that work, um, but you can't see it all the time. So it's a hard yeah, thing to, right. to, to really, you kind of, you design it and then you, you push it off and you hope it, it comes out right in the other end, right? And, and you're not, you kind of less involved. We like to get involved in the projects kind of from beginning to end and see it all the way through as a complete story. Um, but I'd almost say that, you know, in a, in a weird way, I'd love to get into some smaller scale stuff, right? Like they're, um, you know, kind of farm to table restaurants or things that we've been talking to some people about, you know, really you know, acres and acres of farms and how to plan that out properly and yeah. ultimately, you know, design something efficient with that. And, and, uh, and we're also doing some work in the industrial and manufacturing uh, world. Um, which seems, which is maybe less exciting from a design side, but it's an area that's just booming right now. And we'd love to bring a little design flair um, to, you know, warehouses and, and distribution centers. And they're, they're there. And Amazon, if, you know, Amazon's building a hundred a year or something like that, we could make them look nice too. You know, yeah. No so where, 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 uh, yeah, where you look forward to going to yeah. where, you know, yeah, you, you got to be in this structure all day. You're working. Uh, why not make it awesome? Yeah, they, they, you know, a human has to go to a whether they're going to an office that's really nice or a warehouse. You know, the warehouse should theoretically be just as nice as the office, right? One of our clients, I can't mention them by name. Uh, it, it's really a, a food distribution client. Um, they're very, very conscious about the idea that those that work in the food distribution, those that you know, even clean the trucks, those that work in the office, that everyone's on an equal footing, right? That everyone has access to the same parts of the office. That there's not, you know, uh, uh, um, you know areas where people can't go. Yeah. They want it to be a very level playing field, and I think you're going to see that more as e-commerce. Obviously, it's here to stay. It's going to grow, and it's going to continue to grow. Um, exponentially, I think you're going to start seeing that in the, in those types of facilities where you want workers to all have and, and be equal throughout. Yeah, I I, I mean that not only is that better for productivity, but mentally. Yeah, and uh, yeah, if you're going to be working all day, yeah, you should I, I you should be in a great environment. Um, and I I, I know that firsthand coming in here right. uh, pretty much every day. Just. Yeah how in awe I am of, of this space and how, how much I love being here. Yeah. If everybody who went to a job could feel that the way I feel coming in here, I think uh, the world would be a pretty pretty awesome place, yeah. so much better. Um, do you have a, a building or a design or structure that you didn't design that that you're a big fan of? Do you have like, a favorite there's a or a ton, couple of favorites? There's a ton I imagine there's a big there. list, yeah, but there, there really like a is top a ton three? of them. There's, there's some in Jersey City that we had done, some like twisting towers that ultimately never got built. Um, there's actually another one in Jersey City that's like two, three 80-story towers that I don't ever see truly getting built. Oh, yeah. um, and then there is a there's a surf club in Montauk, Long Island that we it was going to be an exclusive surf club uh, out all the way out in Montauk on Ditch Plains Road um, that was really interesting, a really low scale, high end kind of you had to have a membership to go there. Yeah. And um, it was really cool um, and actually very environmentally friendly and responsible to that to that area. But the community just just did not want it there, 
and uh, and ultimately shot it down, which is too bad. Oh. But I still say that the, the community, they ended up with a bunch of single family houses there, which I think were worse. So, oh, but yeah. I get it. I, that, I, I do get why they opposed it. Uh, it, was, it was a tough one to defend. If, if I Look, if I were the resident sitting yeah. on the other side, I would have been opposed to it too. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's so. tough to sway the public though. It's just, uh, yeah. Uh, but I'm, sometimes you know better, but uh, there's not, there, there isn't anything that can be done. Yeah. Um, but wh- sometimes those small scale projects are, are some of the best projects that we, that we do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, who are your biggest influences, both design or even outside? It doesn't even have to be a design in the design world. Yeah, I mean, so obviously, in terms of architects, there's there's many different architects that are are uh, that that I find uh, influential. There's there's plenty of artists. I, I you know draw inspiration from from music a lot too. Um, and then even, you know, these days in terms of, uh, you know, podcasters, right. I really, yeah. I really am enjoying a lot of the podcasts. Um, I listen to that guy, Tim Ferriss. I don't know yep. if you listen yeah, to yeah, him. Yeah. I find a lot of his guests fascinating, end up getting obsessed with kind of some of these people, who they are, what they do. I've never heard of them, but they're very, very, they think very differently, uh, and just kind of moving that forward. I, I'm almost, I'm almost these days more drawn um, and inspired by companies that are doing things that are um, pretty special uh, and that do them a little bit differently, right? Not only from a technology point of view, but also how they treat their employees, right. how they treat you know the environment, how they treat whatever uh, along the way. And and because as as I'm growing this firm and as we want to grow this firm and be a little different and and be more special, that's really kind of where we're steering. Uh, the firm is to is to be um, you know be more than more than just an architecture firm. So it's a it's an exciting time right now in terms of business and and the types of leaders that are out there. Yeah, uh, is that is that where you see the future of architecture going? Uh, you know, um, environmentally friendly. Um, you know, more tech tech more more tech forward more visionary yeah i think we've barely scratched the surface on any of that stuff okay. you know um i think we, there will be a day where we're 3d printing entire buildings um, <laughs> you know from start uh, to finish yeah i think uh i think we see some of the the early stages of that right now if i'm reading uh if i'm reading correctly absolutely yeah you see it but it's really a small scale version of it i mean there's really no reason why you know chairs and tables and furniture yep. couldn't be printed almost on demand and it's pretty close to that point right and, and it's really about the materiality. I think we've got to get away from the idea that um, the materials have to mimic sort of natural materials. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're maybe they are natural, but they're extruded in a different way. There's a lot of there's a lot of of, of progress to be made in that. Not only you don't have to 3D print something that looks like the previous version of it, right? The beauty of a 3D printer is that you can print something that's that you can't even visualize, that you yeah. can't manufacture, right? You can go layer upon layer upon layer. You could never mill or create or chisel it out of marble or wood right. um, because it's just that the technology is different, the way it works. So we have to just think differently in that respect. Yeah, we can take a 3D uh, 3D printer file and and uh, you know download it or model it exactly. and have it a tangible. A 3D, uh, a product, exactly, uh, 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 an object, exactly, or building, and then or I things see that construct the building. I, I see, you know, the the even the visualization changing, right? Um, you know, is there a way to not use the 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 goggles, right? The 3D, the the VR goggles, and really start to use more of augmented reality. Yeah. So kind of supplement what you're seeing and have it more holographic, right? So you can instead of Instead of seeing it on a screen and feeling it on a screen, you can actually walk it, right, and feel it that way. 
another thing is sort of hand gestures. We were talking about this. Can you take, can you start to do 3D modeling? Can I, can I model a piece of furniture kind of like I would sculpt a piece of furniture, right? But in a digital environment, can I use my hands and digitize my hands to kind of sculpt something in a virtual environment? Wow. And then that kind of be uh, replicated on a 3D printer. Um, can you, you know, there's all this stuff that Elon Musk is doing with uh, his Neuralink, right? Could right. you could you somehow download your design from your head, right, and have a 3D printed, <laughs> you know, directly? I don't know. So these are, you know, some of them are out there, but I think that's the way that we can start to see this, this the, the profession change. Uh, and again, get away from sort of mimicking hand drawing. Uh, while it's important and a valuable skill, we can, we can move very, very quickly past that. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's, a, that's, uh, that's almost hard to wrap your head around um, in a way. Uh, but the uh, this is how things get started, though, these crazy ideas that crazy become reality. Ideas, yeah. That's amazing. Um, when you're not designing, when you're not building buildings, when you're not, when you're not changing the world, uh, what do you what do you like to do? I know you have a family, but do you have uh, um, do you have interests, uh, other interests? Yeah. So listen, at at, at this point, uh, I'm so wrapped up with the kids and what they do. You know, they're 12 and nine, and it's uh, it's constant activities. Yes, yeah, so that's a good age for um, uh, you know they can kind of they're into their own stuff, but yep. you can also encourage. Them, exactly. Exact some influence. Yeah, when they're, when they're not either doing their sports or playing Roblox, we're trying to go <laughs> and do something as a family. So that's that really takes the majority of my time. But but honestly, uh, you know, other kind of hobbies that I have, I think we had talked about this at one point. I, you know, I started baking cakes, you know, doing all the kids birthday cakes with because uh, it's, it's really just like building an architectural model only with, uh, yeah, with sugar, flour, egg, yeah, water and, and fondant. Fondant's like clay, you know. It's it's really easy. You flatten it out, and and you can build anything out of it. So that's been a a, a fun thing for us too. Yeah, I I had heard about the the uh, the. How did you start with the cakes? Was it was it out of need, or so was, was those, it just I was like I think I could do? Or did you maybe order one? I was like I could, I could do that. So when my daughter was my first daughter was born, that was twelve. 12 years ago and uh, those cake shows were like just starting you know Ace of Cakes and the, the Cake Boss right guy. and I remember watching it and going oh, I could totally do that that's just like an architectural yeah. model I was good with clay I can totally do that and then I had my mother-in-law bake the cake for me because I had never baked a yeah. thing um, and I was arguing with her the whole time because I needed a cake that was like more stable. Sure, yeah. So eventually I found a recipe that I could bake. Nobody ever liked the actual taste of the cake, but I didn't care. You it was know? good for building. Yeah, it was exactly. good for structural. Visuals. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I built the cakes and uh, and, and, and then it, it just kind of ballooned from there. And I would just <laughs> challenge myself and challenge myself. I'd be offering them to friends to do. Uh, now I limit it only to my kids, you know, okay. and, and maybe maybe a few others, uh, only because it takes too much time, and my wife gets annoyed, and and nobody in the end likes my cakes anyway. So, although yeah. I did find a woman to bake the actual cake, okay, with to your uh, specifications, and then okay. I would cover it, and that was working well for a while. So, yeah, but <laughs> you've got that third element now in there. There's form, function, and taste, exactly, and that's. Uh, you know that I guess like the Japanese kind of call it like the umami, yeah. And uh, you know it's kind of it's like oh man, that's that's a whole another ball game right there. Yeah, I would always say to people like make sure you bring another dessert to the uh, to the birthday party. Right, right. Yeah. You can photograph this one, put this one on Instagram, but you know yeah. we're gonna yeah we'll we'll eat the whatever you bring. Yeah, yeah. Because my my cake's been out now for uh, you know forty hours. It's pretty stale. Right. <laughs> yeah, but it looks amazing. That's right. That's amazing, and uh, I, I've also been informed you own over uh, you own Bruce Springsteen bootlegs. Did I five hundred or yeah, at least or did at least CDs. Trying to remember the number CDs. Okay, yeah, CDs. That that's actually before even you know MP3s started. Um, 
So there was a guy in Freehold that sold Bruce bootlegs. I'm a big Bruce Springsteen fan. And uh, he, I, I was right on like Main Street in Freehold. Yeah. And, he, and he sold bootlegs there. And we would go. And, uh, you know, my brother and I, and, and every week he'd have like the next concert and the next concert and the next concert. It was unbelievable. And we just eventually collected them all over and over. And this was before you could copy CDs. And so I have all these original pressings of the CDs. I'm sure they're worth absolutely nothing. But um, it, it's kind of a fun collection. You know, I keep them out. My wife thinks it's stupid, but. No, not at all. I, <laughs> um, I remember, yeah, walking to uh, the local record shop that uh, I, I was like, I've never seen this Led Zeppelin album, live album before. <laughs> And uh, someone's like, well, that's uh, that's a bootleg. I'm that's like, what's like, that? And I was like, well, someone took, someone got into a concert with some kind of recording gear, recorded the whole concert, yeah, and somehow got onto a CD. I was like, you can make your own CDs. And uh, at the, yeah, at the time, you there were no CD writers. Somehow, somebody yeah. got access to one. Yeah, who, who knows how how they would do it? And and uh, but there's a few. Some are absolutely excellent quality. Yeah, I, right I hear off the them. soundboard. Yeah, yeah, they're they're amazing. I guess someone paid someone and got it somehow. But. Uh, you know, Jack's music shop in Red Bank, he never sold Bruce Springsteen bootlegs, but I think he had others. Right. Um, but he, I remember asking, like, why don't you have Bruce ones? Well, Bruce comes in here, so yeah. I, I, uh, I can't have them. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I'm even wondering if he would even care. You know, it would be like, oh, well, I don't have a copy of yeah, this. I'll like, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take, yeah, I definitely need this. This is, yeah. uh, you know, Madison Square Garden, uh, yeah. you know, he 1983. Even, uh, he even mentions in a lot of them, like, oh, I'm sure someone's bootlegging this right now. Yep. You know, he'll say that in some of the shows. So it's always funny to hear. Yeah. I mean, I wish everybody, someone would record everything I did. Uh, I would do, <laughs> I, w- I would buy it myself <laughs> for sure. Have you met him? No, I've never met him. I've never met him. Come close a few times, but, uh, but never met him. Have yeah. you? Uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> um, uh, you know, he, he's he's been spotted in Red Bank a lot, yeah. which uh, you know we're, we're we're at. But it's always uh, oh, Bruce popped into the Wonder Bar and played all night last night. I, I was know. like, oh man, I was just there. I know. I, I always miss it by a day. Yeah, always. I think it's probably inevitable. <laughs> it's probably inevitable. I don't know. At this point, I, it's built up so much, I wouldn't even know what to do. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, do you work on projects at your house as well? Or you're like, oh man, you know, I think I want to build a new bathroom over, you know, next month. And so just yeah, do it. I, the, our last house that we did, uh, I designed. Uh, it was a house we bought, we renovated. I designed it the entire time and for over five years. Um, did it kind of piece by piece. And when I tell you, when we were finished, um, I think the next day my wife and I looked at each other and said, I think we should sell this house and do something again. <laughs> it's kind of what we do. Yeah. So we just, we just bought a new house. Um, uh, it was sort of semi custom built, um, but we're making some changes to it. And right now I'm actually designing the backyard. So we've got a few things, uh, kind of, we've got permits out for stuff and I'm, I'm still agonizing over, uh, kind of certain things in the uh, backyard. The city permits, the bane of any, uh. Anybody yeah. who, who who designs, uh, you know, who, who puts an addition on their house or yeah. builds things. And for me, I swore based on my last <laughs> backyard, I would do this one differently right. and do it a little bit simpler. And now it seems to be getting even more complex. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, you can't really run from who you who exactly. you are, right? You know, there's uh, exactly. Yeah, I, I tell my things myself things all the time. I'm like, oh, you know, this space this is going to be less messy than the last one. And uh, I, yeah, it's it never holds true. So. Yeah, I want to get like a, a garage space somewhere to just build things too. That'll that'll be a, a fun little project. Yeah, that's uh, it's a <laughs> pretty cool thing to have. So yeah. and uh, yeah, I don't know if you have friends going. Hey man, can you build me a you know? Oh yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, when you have that friend that has a talent, then uh, yeah, you, you hit the, you hit them up. So yeah. hopefully they can give you something a little back. Yeah. As, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, I'm kind of saving this one for last. You know, we're in, we're in, we're in a COVID world right now. Hopefully we come out of it soon. Um, I know that even the office shut down for a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, what do you th- what's the, what's the future of of architecture? What's the future in a post-COVID world, in your opinion? Yeah, so um, <laughs> this is a, a my opinion has changed probably ten different ways uh, uh, since this all began. You know, I was I was very much in denial that there was going to be any shutdown of New York City. Um, I thought I, I think we've even gone back and looked at some of my emails office wide, saying you know, in the very unlikely event that there'd be a shutdown for COVID, um, you know, this is what we're going to do. Um, thankfully, when we shut down, we really didn't skip a beat at all. Uh, everyone started working from home and yeah. we were shut down. Myself and my partners, we were all very eager to reopen the office. And we did so in June. It was really just four of us coming into the office. Uh, and, you know, it's been a slow trickle back into the office, which has been nice. And I think as people get more and more comfortable coming back, um, they understand the value of it. I would say that the future of architecture itself um, is probably, in terms of new buildings, it may be less and less inside of like a New York City and more in a suburban environment. Okay. Um, smaller scale, obviously, but this idea of more suburban sprawl will create more city centers in the in the in the suburban areas. Um, but I think in an area like New York City, which will in- inevitably come back and is already a lot busier, especially since it was in early June, um, and even in this last week has been been pretty busy uh, here now in the you know in the second week of 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 July of uh, January. Um, you're starting to see the office kind of shift a little bit where people are talking about they want to come back to the office they really do um which is good news for especially for (laughs) architects that design offices absolutely um and and for building owners and restaurant owners and everyone involved in in that kind of thing but they may not want to come back five days a week um so this idea is can your office be more of a collaborative place can your office be more of a uh, an experience kind of uh, place can you go there 3 days a week and then work 2 days from home right there's a lot of those ideas being kicked around we're doing that with some of our large clients right now we're doing a couple large headquarters projects and that's really the 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 main thing right now is um, this kind of three days a week and then two days working from home. Yeah. Right? It, it's the commute. I mean, people realize they don't want to commute. It's nice to be home. Nice to have dinner with your family all the time, um, assuming you like your family. Yeah. But 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 the less and less commute, and then more so you you you. But you still want to have that that work. Uh, yeah, and, you still and want to go into an people. office and yeah. and see your coworkers and collaborate exactly. um, away from the house. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But not necessarily five days a week. Yeah, I think that's probably. So I think in the end we come out kind of with the uh, the best of both worlds yeah. in a sense, right? I mean, you get you're going to have an office environment. You're going to see uh, the people that you 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 want to see and meet and and interact with your clients and go out to your lunch or dinner in in New York City or wherever the city is that you are. And then you're going to be able to be home two days a week yeah. and, and and enjoy that part and be efficient and get quiet time in, which is, I think, what we were missing uh, kind of pre-COVID. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So I, I have nothing but, uh, but, but really positive feelings about sort of the future of the office environment, future of architecture, and, and even, even cities and suburbs. I think you're going to see a really nice mix now. Yeah. 
Thanks. And I, I lied. I do have one more question. Uh, so your podcast, uh, the Anti-Architect Podcast, what's the genesis behind that name? So the idea is that – so I love architecture. I really do. And I, and I, <laughs> I, I, and I, I can tell. <laughs> and I love other architects. Um, but I, I, again, in all in a, in a mission to kind of move the profession forward, um, I'm really interested in speaking to people that work with architects directly. And what is their honest opinion of how we work, including me, right? Um, what do we do well? How do we listen? How do we not listen? You know, do we get things, do we, do we solve your problem from a business point of view? Do we solve it from an emotional point of view? Do we solve it from an aesthetic point of view? You know, did we come in on budget? Did we totally blow your budget and, you know, completely, you know, disappoint you in that respect? So there's a lot of those aspects that I'm really interested in uncovering with people that work with architects. And so the kind of the good and the bad, you know, what is it? And then how can we use technology in uh, in architecture and how do the how do the how do the clients see it or the the people that work with architects? How do they see us using technology and how can we move the profession forward from uh, from where we are now to into the future. So that's really the the idea behind it. That's amazing. Um, I, I can't wait. Awesome, and, me too. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining me here. Uh, here in my in, pleasure. Thank at, you for uh, having Universe. me. And uh, I, you know, I I hope to one day hire you guys to uh, to oh, design. Thanks. Be happy to and build something for Love me. Love doing broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and you know this and beyond. Uh, you know my house, uh, a garage, my backyard. Uh, cool. Uh, a Let security know. shack. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> you know wherever. Uh, I think that would be a huge honor. So uh, you know, add that to the list of goals for awesome. sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks uh, for having me, Christian Giordano. Everybody, uh, Mancini Duffy. Uh, you'll you can hear a lot more from him uh, on the Anti Architect podcast. And uh, who knows if you're driving down the street one day. Uh, you may be seeing one of his creations as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> All right. See you soon.